Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 352. I'm your host, Blaine Putvey, and I'm joined now by my co-host, Matt Smith. Good evening. And we have two special guests on today from the hockey writers, San Jose Sharks Beat, uh, Andrew Still. Yep. Hello. Welcome to the Habs Unfiltered podcast. Why am I the one introducing this? I just I felt the need to take over. <laughs> you can... Done. I'm out. Um... <laughs> Well, we found Trey's and replacement. <laughs> done deal. He wears pants too, so that's a that's a plus. <laughs> that's the yeah, that's the real upside here. <laughs> yeah, and uh, our other guest, Alex Hutton, also of the hockey writer San Jose Sharks beat. Welcome yeah. to the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm glad I'm glad to be here. Excited to uh, talk all about the the draft and other various things. Yeah, so we brought you on because clearly, with the draft coming up, San Jose Sharks are picking fourth, which is immediately before the Canadians. We had a show with uh, Mark Scheig, who covers the Columbus Blue Jackets, uh, because they pick three. And we're going to follow on with that series with the with the two of you. And we'll talk about the Sharks. And, of course, it all ties into the Canadians. Oh, of course. Everything does. Yeah. Center <laughs> of the hockey universe, right? <laughs> uh, no, that's Toronto. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm pretty sure the Dubis news will overshadow yeah as okay so for our listeners as we record it is the 19th of may and it's about 9 p.m atlantic time and dubis decided he was going to quit slash shanahan fire him so yeah uh after all those years of success he's gone yeah that's rough it's it's real rough (laughs) what hurts more is that whoever they hire is probably going to do better and as canadians fans uh, would know that seeing Toronto succeed is bad. I was going to say, I'm sure you guys were rolling over in your graves when they advanced to the second round this year. Uh, actually, we were laughing our holes off thinking it's the first time since <laughs> he's my, uh, my second kid's entire life has been Toronto not winning. And she felt bad that she was alive to see it. <laughs> I raise him right. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we'll just kick this off. And I want to start first with uh, the Sharks being at three and the option of moving up. Uh, Andrew, you wrote an article for the Hockey Writers on exactly that. So why don't you uh, break it down a little bit for us? Would the Sharks want to do that? And what would it cost them? So... I have been thinking about this pretty much since we secured fourth overall. Um, just the idea that with the the setup that they have going right now, with the the pieces that they have, uh, especially considering you know Bedard is guaranteed to go first overall. I'd be dumbfounded if that guy doesn't go first overall. And Fantilli and Carlson and you know Michkov. I know there's been a little discourse on where he's going, but 
considering that those players all will fall within a relatively similar range of like ceiling and skill and just all that stuff. I, I, I wrote that. I don't think it's a good idea for the sharks to trade up just because, you know, if you say move up to where Columbus is, you're probably having to give up pieces that we need to retool to start moving back towards the playoffs, uh, unless you can get them to take like Couture. But I, I don't know if that's realistic, but yeah. So we're having to give up too much for a little bit of reward, I guess, you know, you're, you're getting something good, but is it really worth moving up just one spot for that? And I, I really don't see it. Alex, what do you think? Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's realistic either. I don't think they can get any higher than third. I don't see a way where they could work their way up to second. I think third is the only option. And I think they would just have to, would have have to give up too much to move up that one spot. I think, well, I do want I do want them to use that fourth pick and you know just and get one of those top prospects. Uh, I also think that it, the the back end of the draft and future drafts are going to be really important as well, keeping holding on to all those assets and not sort of and not giving them up to move up one spot. I don't think that's a seems like a realistic option to me. Matt, you had a question. So they've got two first round picks, um, one being their own, the other being being from the uh, the Devils. Uh, what is their what is kind of San Jose's biggest need at the draft? So I think it really depends on. Honestly, it kind of depends on what aspect you want to look at, given you know the time of day you're looking at it. The Sharks have kind of put themselves in a position where we're we're struggling a little bit, um, and you know that comes with playoff success, right? You start losing those prospects. Um, but I feel like we're starting to kind of get a hold of our, our forward depth a little bit. We we're starting to draft well, um, you know, and we've, we've gotten some, some late round hits as well for, for forward specifically, but defensively we're struggling a little bit. And now that, uh, Benjamin Goudreau is going back into the draft, we kind of lost one of our best, or I, I, maybe not best, but one of our most highest touted, uh, prospects for goaltending so i could see us taking a swing at a defenseman i could see us trading down with that pick even or maybe trying to get a bad contract or two to move up but with the fourth overall pick i don't know i if they wanted to move up last year was probably the year to move up but this year i don't know alex yeah i mean i I think i see two two needs for the team right now number one is a a forward who's just who's like phenomenally skilled on the puck like, I think they just need that guy. I mean, they, they lost a lot of overtime and shootout games this year. And I think yeah. a lot of that comes down to just having some guy who can just, you can just put the puck on a stick and boom, he goes to work, gets the net, make deeks seven times, puts it in. I think they, a, a guy like that, I think that's what they can look for, like particularly with that, with that fourth overall pick. And then, like Andrew said, defenseman is hugely important. Just so many times this year, one of the most infuriating things for me to watch during Sharks games was just how many times they left the goalies hung out to dry because just some kind of defensive breakdown and the line wouldn't hold. Slip it up was so wide bad. open. It is it was it's so just, bad. It was it was very rough. So if they can start, if they can use this draft to really start building up the defensive core, that would that would be huge. So uh, Alex, you well, kind of you kind of hinted you kind of hinted at a player that can kind of be that finisher. Um, <laughs> could that person be Matt Vaymichkov? That that is exactly what I was thinking of. And, <laughs> yes, I mean I, I do think, like for my for my personal preference, yes, I do think that is who I would who I would want the Sharks to take with that fourth overall pick if he's still available. Obviously, there's certain you know question marks around his his contract situation and how soon he can get to the NHL, and 
obviously he's going through just a, a, a brutal situation in his personal life right now. And um, obviously thoughts out to him. Um, I mean, but I think he, he, he has the absolutely has the skill to be one of those, one of those guys who can be the centerpiece. I think the sharks have a lot of promising young players, but not, but like there are more guys who are like, you know, steady, more mid-tier forwards, whereas Mitch Cobb, I think, can be that guy at the top who really can change the trajectory of a franchise. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Especially, like, if you paired him alongside of Eklund, I think that could be, I mean, that could be just phenomenal to watch. And I honestly don't think the Sharks will be in a position where waiting the few extra years to get him is going to make that big of a difference. I don't think we'll be good enough to compete between then. And if we are, I mean, that's just, you know, additional bonus, but yeah. Yeah, and on that because it's the uh, the rumor is it's going to take about three years, might take four even, depending on uh, how much pressure Scott St. Petersburg puts on him uh, to sign another contract. But is Greer willing to wait that long? Man, I don't know. I yeah, think I think he tough. should be. Yeah, I agree. But honestly, it's it's a question of has he learned from what happened with the last general manager and the way that we handled our prospects and things like that, you know, does he understand that, Oh, maybe this team needs to take a step back before we can take a step forward. And it seemed like he kind of, you know, especially with trading Meyer, it seemed like he understood that, or at least that he's starting to understand where the last management group went wrong. Uh, But I think we'll, we'll have to see. I hope that he's willing to wait. Well, now it's making the most of that, making the most of that trade. You 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 trade a player away like Meyer, who's a, a very very good player on any team in the league. Um, it's it's going to be bringing that asset back that's going to replace him long term. Mm-hmm. So my question is going to be um, about Eric Carlson. Oh yeah, love could that. Could that be could that be a guy that we could see dangled for some future pieces and maybe to. Uh, maybe fast track this uh, retool or rebuild in San Jose. He had an amazing season. He had an amazing season. Don't get me wrong. He had an amazing season. I mean, uh, I think the the fact that he had such an amazing season, I think it probably increases value like significantly from where it was even just a year ago. So, I mean, it's, I think if there was ever a time to at least look into it, I think now is it. I mean, I, I, I struggled to figure out like, is there how much of a market is there going to be given his contract? Like, what people are going to want to take that on? What would they have to attach to it? What could they get back? What te- what teams would be the most interested? Like, I'm still that's the part I'm still trying to figure out from a Sharks perspective, given where his value is right now, and given where the direction of the team is headed, and you know how old he might be by the time they're ready to contend again. I, I think they have to, at the very least, make some calls, explore around, figure out if it's if it's possible to move him. Do you think he starts the season with the team? Oh man, you have, to, you, have to, you have to get back to me on that one. I got to <laughs> Yeah, I agree with that. That's a that's a tough one right there. I I could see him being traded this offseason. I could absolutely see it taking longer than that just because of, you know, how many things you need to look at and trying to facilitate a deal there. But now on Carlson, he's he's 32 already. He's got 5 more years. He'll be 37 by the time this contract's up and it's 11 and a half million a year on this deal. How much of that contract is Greer willing to eat to make a deal? Ooh, yeah, that is, that is the other aspect the, the the salary retention. I mean, there's to to just go back to to hockey writers who there have been plenty of articles sort of trying to break down that exact thing. And I'm again, I'm that's another element of it that I'm I'm still trying to figure out. Where I just need to 
do do more clicking around on cap friendly and, and try to figure out exactly <laughs> what the situation would be. Oh yeah. Cap friendly is a man's best friend trying to figure out a Carlson trade. That's for sure. It's, it's something I've done quite a bit and I would hope that Greer would be willing to eat a little bit of the salary, but honestly, I think, and uh, this might be an unpopular opinion, but I don't really know that it is. Uh, I think this is probably the first year since Carlson signed that deal that he's been worth the entire thing. Right. I like, I think without a doubt, he was worth the 11 and a half million this year. The question is, will that keep up? And considering how bad this Sharks team was, it's possible that you put him on a good team and he's playing just as well. But uh, I think people won't be willing to take that chance. And so you're going to have to at least retain a little bit. I'm, I'm kind of thinking that the time the time is really now to to deal. I mean, this, yeah. as, as, as you guys are both saying, this is his um, his worth is at the highest it's going to be. And perhaps at this point of that $11 million, $11.5 million contract, Greer isn't going to have to eat as much because he can be like, look what our player just did. He had a 100-plus point season. Why should I have to eat half of it or why should I have to eat this you know, upper percentage of it to facilitate a trade when he did this on, you know, quote-unquote, a shitty San Jose Sharks team? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, hey, you guys want him? We'll send him to the Habs. We'll 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 send him your way. Uh, that's what I thought. <laughs> I figured. No, the guy's almost as old as me, so I, I doubt the team wants him. <laughs> now back to Meyer. Uh, that that trade by Greer was one of the biggest trades the NHL has seen in quite some time. And by big, I mean uh, the number of players and picks all packaged up together. There was. It was a ridiculous amount of assets going back and forth. There was, I think there was about a day where people were a little confused about who got what. When. Oh yeah. It was, there was a lot. Now you got Shakir Mukamadulin for, uh, for the defense. He's going to be a decent player for you in the few mm-hmm. in the next few years. But the remainder of that package, other than the first round pick this year, was there anything really of value in there? that will impact the sharks. I don't know. It's a lot of it is it's too early to say. Um specifically, I I think that there's a very good chance that next year we have another first from them because I could see them making a run to the conference finals with how well they played this year. Um so I could I could see that being another first for us and I don't my my knowledge of the depth of drafts kind of drops off after this year. I don't know if it's going to be as good. So maybe it's not, you know, what you would want compared to this year, at least. Um, but I, I, I go back and forth on that deal. Sometimes I think that we did a really good job. Sometimes I think, oh, you know, one more, at least like B plus prospect you throw in there would have been really nice. And, but we weren't going to get Holtz or Mercer. I know that, but. I mean, like that, come on, like, you, you gotta admit, that would have been pretty nice. A man yeah. can dream. Oh, yeah. Especially when you're giving up someone that as good as Timo. Like, I live in Halifax, that's where I'm based out of. Mm-hmm. Um, so we know Meyer very well here, and he we hold him in very high esteem. So seeing what he's doing for New Jersey now, I know is going to hurt San Jose fans in the short term. Oh yeah, it it already hurts watching him do that over there. I I miss him already. You know, I mean, I mean, I was a I was a big fan of his as well. So much fun to watch, and just it was just a, an unfortunate situation when they had this they had this cap crunch and this 
sort of need to to move some things around and he just kind of ended up being the odd man out given where his contract was at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Matt. Um do you believe that if they don't pick if they don't pick Mitchkov, make Mitchkov is obviously your guys' pick. Um with guys like Bordalo in their system, um They've got Bystead, et cetera. So they've already, they've already got two guys that can play center. Do you think that possibly they might look at a guy like Will Smith or Carlson? I think so. I think that I think that there's a good chance. I would like Leo Carlson if we're not going to get Meechkoff, just because I, I've been high on him for a long time. I loved, you know, watching highlights of the guy. He's phenomenal. Uh, but Will Smith, you know, I, I live um, in the USHL region, so I've got right. to see some of the NTDP stuff. And that guy is, he's nuts. Like he's, he's phenomenal. I think, I think realistically, although we want a winger, I don't think you can go wrong with the other two. And I right. think that specifically Will Smith could, you could probably see on a wing. And I know it's not like his primary position, but I think right. he could play that position just as well. And I think when you have a, a top five pick or a, or a top four pick, I don't think you you draft for fit. I just think you try to get the best available player, the most skilled guy you possibly can. Carlson, I think, is also phenomenal. I also think I was talking about earlier, changing the trajectory of, of a franchise. I think Carlson is also skilled enough to be that guy. Will Smith, I see, is more of just like a like a, a steady kind of kind of rock rock guy, more like an anchor type. But I still think he's great, and he he's a Boston College guy. Where went to Boston University, uh, so there's there's some sort of interest uh, interest there about you know knowing the knowing the region and the the style of hockey and things like that. So I think I think when you're at that position, you just you take the best available player, whoever that ends up being. Now, let's just say that Columbus picks Mitchkov. Do you believe that there's an option or? possibility that Greer would actually trade back to pick up some more assets. For instance, the Canadians desperately want a specific player who might be a four and they're willing to give up an asset. Would San Jose even think about that? Or maybe like Detroit who has, I think they have like pick nine and then another pick in the, the hell uh... with Detroit. Scroll <laughs> just saying, just saying, I'm giving you options. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, I think, I, I think it's realistic to assume he would trade back like a spot or two. I don't know if he would necessarily be willing to go all the way back to nine. Um, I know that, oh, this, I mean, it's tough. I, I would hope as a Sharks fan, right, that we either just take a player that we want or we only trade back like a spot or two. Right. Um, just because, you know, I that that top five, top six in the draft is going to be so amazing that I don't want to know what future we'll be living in without a player from that range. Uh, so I could see him doing it, but I, I I would I wouldn't bet against him just taking someone. I mean, I think if if the if the right offer comes along, you at least have to listen. But I think I, I agree with Andrew in that in a, in a year where the this particular top five seems so strong and you fall in that top five, you want to take advantage of that. And when there's, when it seems like there's these five really good players and by the time your pick rolls around, you're guaranteed that at least two of them are still going to be available. You, you, I think you have to take you. I, I would prefer that they take that, they take that shot and take a chance on one of those guys being someone who can really start guiding this franchise back to contention. 
Matt? So you kind of made a comment about Logan Couture and his contract. He's an mm. older player, but he's still a guy that's probably going to give you, when he's healthy, and which he usually is, 60-plus points. Yeah. Right? Um, and, he, you know, where's the C? He's well-respected, et cetera. My question is a guy that maybe you guys would want to move on from in his contract, which would be Mark, on, or, uh, Mark Edward Vlasic. <laughs> I mean, it... it... Feels like kind of a pipe dream to think that there will be a team who wants to take that. Uh, but uh, if I'm if I'm Greer, I don't know what his window is as far as how long he thinks it'll take this team to compete. But if that window is within that contract, I've I'd be picking up the phone for sure. Right. Would that be something that you would you'd be okay with Greer trading that uh, trading trading maybe an asset to get rid of that contract? I think it depends to, on the asset to give that, to get that cap flexibility. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it depends on what, what's going back the other way. Like if it is, you know, I, I would not assume that it would be like an Eklund or the fourth overall pick necessary, unless we're just moving a small amount. Um, But if it's one of our other players, I don't know. I kind of like Gannon LaRoque. I was going to say maybe like him or like, um, you know, Ethan Cardwell, someone in there, I could see right. that being a possibility. Uh, but I, I'm I'm of the belief that they should maybe just eat it because we're not good enough right now that it really matters. So, well, bringing back another San Jose Sharks player, Toronto traded a first round pick just to move Patrick Marlowe. Oh yeah, they did do that. <laughs> All right, so and that was a bigger contract. So, or that was a that was a smaller contract. That was a smaller contract than Vlasic. So yeah, I forgot he was a Carolina Hurricane for like all of ten yeah. minutes. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I love yeah. those things like when like pieces get moved or like someone grabs a guy just like to storm and you get these players who were like who technically played for the Hurricanes or technically played. For the <laughs> oh yeah, Patrick Kane was an Arizona Coyote for a little bit there. Yeah, I, yeah. That's what I like to fall back Dude, on. The amount like the the starting lineup you could make out of players who technically played for the Coyotes. Oh, it's insane! Is, <laughs> so dominant. Datsuk, Dynasty. Voracek. <laughs> Voracek. Yeah. <laughs> Unreal. Unreal. And hey, the Canadians also have picked up a, uh, a Nick Bonino. Oh, yeah. Habs legend. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. Oh, yeah. These little, uh, these three way trades and people eating cap, it's, it just makes for fun little trivia pieces, really. Um, now, with kind of building on what Matt was talking about with uh, Vlasic, uh, the Habs GM, really does like to take on those contracts. Like he did that with uh, Monaghan this past year, got him a first. Now, and, and you mentioned depending on the asset for Vlasic to go. Now, if the Canadians somehow, for whatever reason, took on that deal, would it co- would it be worth the cost for San Jose to give up someone like, say, a Philip Bystead or the New Jersey pick this year? Hmm. Alex, what do you think? I'm I'm passing this one off to you. I'll let you captain this question. It's 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 pretty loaded because it is like the like it's yeah. it is a good question. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because it's no, not sure. just yeah. it's not just a one year a one year deal like Monaghan. That's this is a four year commitment. <laughs> Jeez. Right. Oh. Yeah. No, I mean I think I think with I think Bice I would rather hold on to just because he's a pure prospect and he's still developing and you want to, I think, see what he contributes to your team. A pick I'd be more willing to to attach something just because it's it's a little bit more 
more nebulous and and there's a certain value attached to just having control over over selecting somebody but with the with the vlasic thing i'm kind of the opinion that it are just like more important things for the for the team in the front office to be focusing on right now both for cap purposes for development of the current roster for selecting guys and, and building up and trying to you know um like move, move carlson and clarify the goalie picture and things like that so i just think that moving vlasic it, it, it could be worth exploring but they're just sort of they sort of have bigger fish to fry right now yeah i i agree with that i think that we have a lot of things that we could be looking at uh to that that should have priority over trying to do something with, you know, uh, Vlasic's deal. But right. uh, that being said, just out of curiosity, because I'm not as up to date on the uh, the Canadians prospect pool as I'm sure you two are. Uh, what what are you guys looking at with that pick right now at five? Honestly, for myself, it's going to be the best uh, the best player available out of whoever's left out of those top five players. Um, if it happens to be Will Smith, you take Smith. If it happens that you uh, you can get Carlson, you take him. If Mitch Cobb falls down because the other teams are looking at him and saying that there's a lot that the the Russian factor is there and there's too much of a risk, I say you take that risk. Uh, you're in a rebuild. It's a you know can, the Montreal Canadiens are also in a in with a new general manager. This could be an absolute home run. And and when I look at a guy like Matt Mitchkov, he's likely a first round pick in almost every other draft. Oh yeah. Right. But if you if you take out that Russian factor and, and, and that's the thing, you take out that Russian factor, he's right there with Bedard. Yeah, and with uh with the Canadians uh head of amateur scouting being Russian himself and Nick Bobrov, he's capable of going in and out of Russia on his own passport. Not that he has, and not that he hasn't seen these this player play, but that is a factor. Not seeing him live is a real factor in whether or not they pick him. And there's quite a <clears throat> quite a bit of talk about the Canadians not really being sold on him and looking elsewhere. Someone like a like a Ryan Leonard, for instance, if Will Smith is not available or Leo Carlson, uh, leaning towards a Ryan Leonard instead, because for whatever reason they like these players or they feel that they're more likely to arrive or remain in North America. Uh, there's even outside chatter on a defenseman like uh Reinbacher. Not that I believe that he'll go at five, but some people do. I like Mitchkov because of the skill level, but I do, I do understand the caution, uh, the, uh, the, why anyone would be wary on picking him. So I, I have no problem if they go Will Smith or Ryan Leonard, but it's for me, it's really about adding an offensive piece up front. The Canadians really need that. Do they, they also need, they also need a lot of help on the right side of the defense, especially with puck movers. So um, I don't think this is the draft for that, but, Hey, you never know. Weirder things have happened. Uh, for myself, it's again, it's it's not it's not time to make to to make the safe pick to make the safe, uh, to make the safe play. You've you've got fifth overall. You just had first. You you got Slavkovsky. He's gonna he's gonna take some time to develop. Um, uh, he's he's kind of like a he's a you know he's a kid in a man's body right now. He still needs to learn how to use his. He still needs to learn how to use his size. 
uh, to his advantage. And, and I think that'll come in time. But um, the thing that kind of gets to me is the people that they continuously say, well, Mitchkov's three years out. Mitchkov's three years out. Other than Bedard and Fantilli, other prospects are still going to be two, three years out anyway. So you're instead you're getting a player that's going to go and playing at the uh, in the, at the KHL level. He's going to be playing with one of the top teams, and as long as they don't utilize him the way that they did this year, where they actually loan him to Sochi's to give him to give him more playing time, um, and he has that um, kind of swagger to his game that he that he that he had when he went there he's worth the wait for three years, right? Yeah. The only problem that I see though, with picking a player like that or picking a player that can't come into North America per se, um, is he's not developing with your young core. But I think that he's a good enough player to wait for him. You plug him into that core, put him with, put him on a power play with Caulfield. And you have two guys that can shoot the puck the way that they can. And all of a sudden, the Canadians' power play is once again a strength like it used to be. That's lethal. That, I don't even that. I mean, just thinking about that gives me chills, man. That's terrifying to think about. Yeah, and I mean, just to sort of bring to, to bring it back to the the Sharks, you know, we're talking about like being two to three years out. Given the place the Sharks are in, they're in a rebuild right now. They don't need to be rushing anything. They can afford to right. let a guy develop in Europe, give a guy some time in the AHL, whatever Absolutely. it might be. They can very much afford to to let someone take take their time they don't it's not a they're not drafting for to contend for the playoffs next season they're they're still two three years out from that so they can absolutely be be very patient with the development of whoever it is they end up picking absolutely yeah and i think honestly like when i think about the teams ahead of of our two picks you know obviously the blackhawks are going to take bedard that's you know more like pretty much done but I think that the Ducks and the Blue Jackets have a little bit more pressure on them to start shifting towards competing within right. the next few years, especially the Ducks. I mean, everyone thought they were going to be better than they were this year. They they will not, I, I'm assuming at least, they probably won't take the risk of, of a Michkov just because they don't know, you know, with that time frame, they probably want to get better a little bit earlier. So I think it's entirely realistic that, you know, one of our two teams ends up being the one that takes him just because of that pressure. Right. Now, you guys were talking about Godro, uh, the goalie going back into the draft, and the Canadians, let's be honest, their goaltending pipeline is uh, in need of some support. Uh, I know that <laughs> the, there's some decent names in there, uh, but they're young. They're, they're unproven. We're not sure. We're not sure what they are. And the Canadians will be looking to draft some, def- some goaltenders. Now Godreau, he's, he's 20 years old. You know, he's a little bit more developed. What did you guys see from him uh, while he was a prospect? Uh, Alex, I'll start with you. Uh, I mean, my, my, my knowledge of him isn't, isn't the strongest. I will, I will just, just to talk about Sharks goalie prospects in general, the, the guy I've, I've really liked the most so far is Makiniemi. I'm um, seeing him, he got a, he played, made, made it up for two NHL games, played pretty well in the AHL too. Um, so he's, he's the guy I'm, I'm looking for as the, as their, as their goalie prospect, who I think can most make it an impact uh, next season. Do you think he'll jump into the league next year and take Reimer's spot? 
I think I think it's possible. Yeah, I think I mean I think he should at least, at least training camp give him a chance to to compete for for an NHL for a roster spot and and, and see what he's capable of. Yes, Kakinen's got what one more year left on his deal? I believe. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Andrew, what did you, did you see anything from him that made you really disappointed that he left, or are you kind of meh? I, I didn't have too strong feelings one way or the other. Uh, when we drafted him originally, I, I was excited about it. Um, but, and, and obviously this is, you know, nothing against his game, but just watching him the past two years, I didn't see the growth I would have hoped for. Like it kind of felt not necessarily like stagnation, but there weren't that big jumps like I would have thought. Um, and I'm guessing the Sharks weren't wanting to... Uh, you know, give him a, a higher role. So I kind of understand why he ended up going back into the draft. I think it makes sense for both teams, but I I've, you know, been, you know, like Alex said, Makaniami, I'm very excited for, I think Strauss man has a really good chance of, of getting some, some ice time. Um, So I don't know that it's like the end of the world, but considering how rocky the sharks can be with their goaltending, uh, I think the more the merrier. So uh, yeah, mixed feelings. Matt, anything on the goaltending? If they don't bring up one of their young guys, are they going to go out and grab a UFA maybe? Just to kind of smooth things out? Is it wasn't, a, again, it wasn't a strength this year. No. no yeah, I mean, like, the, the, way they're, the way they're doing it where they just sort of kind of, these last years it's kind of just floated around between goalies, you know, Right. Martin Jones was really was really steady for a few years and then and sort of started to hit some rough patches towards the end of his time with the Sharks. And then ever since then, it's just been kind of bouncing from one guy to the next and not really having a, a steady presence in the net. And I think they they need to to find someone who's going to be there for for several seasons. So, I mean, if they if they were going to sign a, a free agent, I'd want it to be to a to a longer term deal and someone they're going to say, hey, you're the guy for the next however many seasons, because right. Way the, the way they're doing it right now of, of just kind of throwing different people out there uh, is it's, it's not the way to go to for them to get back to to contention so it's gonna whether it's Makanyemi or one of the other prospects or that long-term free agent e- either way it's got to be someone who they, they can trust for several seasons Evgeny Nabokov yeah <laughs> I love, I love <laughs> strap the pads he's their goaltending coach still right yep yeah yep. strap the pads yeah. on him are you good to go yeah, I mean, he was good enough for us back then. I'm sure he can do it yeah, now. Exactly. I, I will. I was I, when they when they had when he when he left like that one year in free agency. That was that was very disappointing. So maybe we bring it back full circle. I would I would take that. Done. Now, Reimer is staying with the goaltending. Reimer is a UFA. He's he's free as can be. Does his position, the political position he took, will that have any effect whatsoever on? the decision to keep him or let him walk or were they already deciding to let him walk anyway? I, I never got the feeling that they were going to keep him around long-term anyway. Um, I kind of felt like he was more of the, Hey, let's stall with him until our younger guys are ready to go uh, type of goaltender, like that transitional piece. Um, I do think that, you know, the political side of things will definitely, I don't think it'll make as big of an impact as most people would maybe like it to or not like it to whichever side, but uh, it, you know, it, I don't think it'll be a deciding factor, but I could definitely see it turning the sharks away. I mean, you think about what happened with Evander Kane. There was a lot that was going on there that eventually they were like, okay, we're just going to, we're going to just terminate that. And we'll just get it off our hands. So I could see it being a possibility. 
I was trying to stay away from Evander Kane. I know that's a sore spot for, <laughs> for San Jose. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> it's, it's something that, yeah, a lot of Sharks fans talk about a lot still. But we'll, we'll switch to something a little more fun or less fun, depending on what side you <laughs> fall on with this, uh, a regional rival in the Arizona coyotes. What did you guys make of their recent social media post saying, here is our new arena plan. This is what we got. We got a, we got a new arena and you click it. It's a Rick roll. <laughs> what did you think of that? being done and what do you think the response is likely to be from some of their real hardcore fans uh alex i'll I'll start with you yeah i mean and and that's not the first time that their social media is kind of like shit posted about this so (laughs) it's it's turning into a pattern uh like it's it's really strange like i feel like they wouldn't be doing this if they didn't think they were staying in arizona like that's kind of the vibe i get i get out of that like i feel like it's if, if you're, they're kind of making a joke out of it, they 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 feel okay about it. But I mean, then there have been new developments with like this with this site in Mesa, apparently. So that's that was getting interesting to track. Um, it, I don't know. It's it's strange. It like it's if I if I were a fan of the team, I'd be very like kind of confused by by what's going on here and what what are you what are you doing with me? I mean, like I'm I'm from Oakland and we're going through our own relocation drama right now, which is. Like the 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 bottom. I'm not going to get into a whole thing about here because it would take way too long. But the bottom line <laughs> is the way the A's are handling this. Like this is not how relocation should work. Period. Full stop. They are doing it wrong. And so like then they are they are stringing everybody along. And so it's just it's just never never fun for the fans. And I I I sympathize with um with with all Coyotes fans right now. For our non baseball like fans. For the non-baseball fans, um, I don't know, the Oakland A's or the Arizona Coyotes of baseball right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Are, they, they are awful. <laughs> and the way the two teams are handling it, uh, it's kind of like st- breaking up but living with your ex. Yeah. Yeah, it is. That That's a really good way to put it. That's That's, that's kind of exactly what it feels like. It's it's messed up. It's yeah. really messed up. Especially, oh, yeah. I know it's a hockey a hockey podcast, but my god, the the way they're screwing Oakland is just oh yeah, it's next level. Yep, it's bad. It's not good. Well, anyway, bring it back to hockey, Matt. Before uh, before we we start swearing and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anybody on your non-draft, like, do not draft list. Like, if they were to move up, like, if they were to take, like, if they swung for the fences or somebody moved, like, something happened. Who's who's on uh, a who's a, who's on do not pick for you? That's tough, honestly. With how good this draft is, it almost feels like, like I I wouldn't. Okay, so realistically, right? If you don't take, so let's just assume that Bedard Fantilli are locks at yep. one and two. If you don't take one of Carlson, Smith, Michkov, you know, there's and then you can, something you can, wrong. yeah. Like yeah. what are you, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> these, these guys are literally just sitting there. There's three of them that you could take, right. but you're going to go for someone that was like ranked like 10, 15. Like, what, what just trade down at that point. And don't, <laughs> don't do that either. Don't, that's also a bad idea. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm kind of the same way. I think it would be very strange to not draft one of those three guys. But I don't think there's like a I don't think there's like a specific player where if they traded down and then took someone where they're like where it's like a, it would be like a no no for me. Okay. Well, uh, that's pretty much everything we were uh, we were curious about. I mean, our listeners don't probably see a lot of the sharks. I mean, it's a West Coast team. A lot of our listeners are East Coast Europe. Um, the Australians who follow us have probably watched a few of the games, but it, it's not something that a lot of people really follow. So I really appreciate the two of you coming on and giving us a little bit of insight on what's going on with the Sharks and some of the plans that may be ahead for them because they do impact the Canadians this summer. Um, now, normally on our show, we have, a, we have just before signing off, a moment for any final thoughts. So uh, Alex, as you're one of our guests, we're going to start with you. Do you have any final thoughts? I guess just since, since this is a drafting episode, I'm just like really excited to see how all these different prospects translate to the NHL. You know, I mean, I think that's that's the one of the best parts of the draft is you know finding out what what uh, team a certain player is going to go to, and then looking forward to seeing them in that uniform and seeing uh, how they can contribute. And in a year with with so many like top prospects and such an exciting top five, I think that just gets um, cranked up to a hundred. So I'm just very excited to see uh, the the future of the NHL play out in. Uh, starting in about what five weeks at this point from from Nashville so I'm, I'm looking forward to it now where could my listeners find you and your work yeah um I write for the San Jose Sharks at thehockeywriters.com my Twitter is Alex Hutton 35 I tweet uh, about mo- mostly about sports from hockey baseball basketball uh, all kinds of stuff so uh, you can uh, be sure to follow me there Alex Hutton 35 Andrew uh any final thoughts? Um, so alongside just uh, a heartfelt thank you for inviting me and Alex on. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. I'd also like to extend a heartfelt thank you to the Montreal Canadiens organization for eliminating our biggest rival in the Vegas Golden Knights <laughs> in the playoffs a few years ago. I have never been a bigger Habs fan than I was in that moment, I had a I have a Canada hat that's sitting over here. It was like the closest thing I had. I was I was cheering. I that that was one of the best times to watch the Canadians, I think. So thank you for doing that. Uh, and we'll hope Vegas gets eliminated sometime soon. Sorry, Vegas fans. If, if, I, if I can just jump in here for a second. Um, uh, I, I mentioned earlier, I have a I have a college friend who's a, who's a huge Canadians fan. And for his birthday um, that year, I, I found like a signed Arturi Lekkanen card. And I bought it for him. And then of course Lekkonen goes on to score the the, the winning goal in that series. So I just like went to him and like, dude, that that card, dude, that just went up in value a lot, man. So, <laughs> Especially after he scored the winning goal for the Stanley Cup the following year. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh now, Andrew, where could our listeners find you? Yeah. So uh obviously I'm a sharks writer for the hockey writers, and uh, I'm also on Twitter at Andrew underscore stilly. I do a lot of uh, random tweeting whenever I feel like it over there. I also tweet about the Blackhawks because I am sometime soon. It's it's in the works to start a Blackhawks podcast, uh, but that'll be something that'll take a little bit to get going. But for Shark stuff and all that, yeah, you'll find me over on my Twitter. Uh, Matt, final thoughts. I just want to thank both of you for coming on. Uh, You're more than welcome back anytime. Um, Anytime we need to reach out and uh talk to some guys that know a little bit about the west coast when 
you know, Blaine and I are both in bed uh, and we, uh, <laughs> and we, uh, we can we might miss the game. Um, and uh, from a show standpoint on our last show, um, we had a lot of laughs about uh, prospect Hampton Slecknuski just based on his name. And uh, I had a lot of people tweet me and, and, and send me DMS and everything asking me if he was a real person. And yes, he's a real person. He's a real boy. <laughs> So go out and check him out. Uh, he's my uh, he's my wild card for the Canadians to pick with a late round pick. And yeah, that was luck, a... and it's luck, not with a T. It's with a K. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the mispronunciation is what made it much better. Yeah, but he is a real <laughs> so player. He's a real better. person. So yeah, go check him out. So uh, for me, I just want to echo what Matt said. I want to thank you both for coming on the show. Uh, we really appreciate your point of view. Uh, I loved, I love hearing from other uh, organizations and the, the more that we can get people from the hockey writers out there to be seen and get more followers, the better, uh, you know, because I work there too. I may as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, again, I want to really, really thank you both for coming on. And for my listeners, I want to thank you guys all for listening. Uh, keep shit posting Matt for the Slutnuski <laughs> stuff. Uh, it, it is a lot of fun. Uh, keep sending those emails in. We really appreciate your input your, and everything you provide to us. Uh, we've been getting DMs about Cole Caulfield lately, and we're going to do a show specifically on that. So any emails or co uh, comments you've made, we're going to use those. Uh, and remember, if you guys are talking about it, so are we. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. <laughs>